0: Oh, good. You didn't skip two this time. Good. <laughs> nice work. Well, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to awesome.com, NFL On The Contrary Show, presented by PrizePix. I'm Dave Loughran. With me, as always, Alex Baker. I almost said Alex Baker at AwesomeO DFS, number one ranked player. What's going on, brother? Happy to break down another week with you. What's
1: up, man? Yeah, these last two weeks have been kind of wild. Like, I feel like... Uh stacking it's kind of our go-to strategy in NFL DFS it just hasn't been working so I'm like damn that can't last forever so looking forward to another shot this weekend
0: we hit that Ezekiel Elliott prop though by the hook last night so we'll take that
1: <laughs> yeah that was crazy man like I, I was about that, that prop of 44 and a half like I thought it was too low but man like it ended up being exactly 45 so I hope you got the best line on that one because it really mattered which one you got
0: Oddshopper.com, totally free, best place to shop odds. Uh, and with us, for the second time this season, one of the best uh, fantasy football DFS analysts out there, Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus, at iharditz on Twitter. What's
2: good, bro? Great to be back, guys. Always enjoy talking ball and uh, DFS with you here in week 13. And, yeah, as Alex said, that's what I love about DFS, man. Everything can go to complete shit one week, but then we get to go make it all up in the very next week. So happy to get after it today.
0: Ian, what did you do before PFF, before fantasy football?
2: Man, I went to like a fancy college. I had this great consulting job my parents were super proud of, probably. And then I quit <laughs> that to just like go grind news at Fantasy Labs. So, uh, yeah, no, I was kind of like on the business trajectory path in college. But um, like side by side with that, I ended up uh, kind of catching on with Jonathan Bales and did a bunch of uh, work for him. Back in the day, eventually uh, transitioned on over. So, I love it, man. A uh, lot, lot, lot fewer clients uh, barking at me day to day. Now it's just strangers on Twitter who I'm never going to meet anyway. So. <laughs> what, what fancy school? Uh, University of Chicago. A lot of people actually haven't heard of it, but they, they, they rank out pretty well. Are you from Chicago? Not nah, Columbus, but I, I enjoy my uh the Midwest vibes. It's actually in, like, Hyde Park area, a little bit south of the city, so you get, like, a nice little campus vibe, but then it's also 15 minutes from downtown. Now, the problem is if you walk 15 minutes the other way, you're, like, in the heart of South Side of Chicago and probably should uh, have a group of friends with you, too, if you're walking around those streets. But, nah, I love that city.
0: All right. Well, Alex, we got week 13. We got a lot to get into. A lot to get into. I mean, there's a ton of players right now, too, that aren't practicing that are going to have a huge ripple effect across the entire slate. So let's dive into it. Before we do, though, hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. We're what? What are we at? 67,300 subs. Making big moves around here, thanks to you guys. But anyway, you know how? We we, got to do
1: something special for 69,420,
0: right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Think of something good. Good. (laughs) We'll get there. Like we're we're about two thousand away from that. So so what did you say? So, so you're combining sixty nine and four twenty to get the perfect.
1: I've heard number? that's a popular number around uh, the streets <laughs> yeah. these days. And maybe we can hit it around Christmas. Wouldn't that be like a Christmas miracle?
0: Yeah. So, what? <laughs> I'm sure people that devoutly uh, celebrate Christmas would agree with you. On <laughs> <the other side. laughs> Anyway, uh, you know how it works. You got to feed the algorithm, combat the YouTube overlords, and uh, we can't do it without your help. So let's dive into this one. Alex, let me start with you and just straight out of the gate right now. Daryl Henderson's still not practicing. I, I'll ask you in the same thing. I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, McVeigh had, had insinuated earlier in the week, like, he'll be limited, but he should be all right. And now he hasn't gotten on the field. I don't know if he's on the field today. But in the event that he is, Sonny Michel, or isn't, doesn't play. Sonny Michelle is basically minimum salary almost everywhere. This this throws a wrench into the works for sure if we don't have news on Henderson going into the weekend.
1: yeah, Fortunately, I mean, we'll have that news. It, it just makes it tough for us right now to, to know exactly what, <clears throat> what to think. Uh, obviously, if Henderson's out, that'd be a huge uh, change in the slate. It's tough this time of year to really know because I know a lot of injury management is they don't practice till Friday. And then they get in like the limited on Friday. So uh, it's, it's hard to read between the lines here.
0: Yeah, it is. But Ian, at the same time, Henderson's workload has been down recently, but they've just been getting crushed by their opponents. This is a much better spot. One of the highest implied totals. They're 13 point favorites. We got Henderson not practicing and Odell Beckham not practicing. How are you approaching the Rams this week in a spot where they should bounce back in a big way?
2: Yeah. I feel like partly with the Henderson workload thing too, he's got like that Julio Jones, Gene Enum, where he always has to leave the game for a couple plays yeah. and then come back in after once uh, he gets cleared, obviously, you know, need to see what this new injury is going to bring the table. But if he is out, like, in, if we were looking at this in terms of like a season long rank, I think I'm literally just going to change like Henderson to Sony Michelle because in week three, when Henderson was out, we saw Sony get 20 carries four targets, 74% snap rate, pretty similar to what Henderson is already getting on a week. A week basis. So 4,300, I mean, on DraftKings, I know he'll be chalky, but you know, we don't need to fill up every single lineup spot in every tournament lineup with uh, the most contrarian play ever. So when we do have someone inside a top five, usually scoring offense, it's going to be seeing 20 plus touches. Uh, it's going to be hard to get away from him too often. If we do though, want to just get quirky. I mean, it's you know, pretty easy way to build leverage just go to this passing attack. I know Tom Brady is right there next to Stafford uh, in the pricing scale you know, Atlanta, the way Brady's just beat them down, I think he's probably going to fetch a little more ownership, but I don't think it'd be surprising at all to see Stafford uh, do something similar to this Jaguars defense. So, really wasn't pretty against the Packers last week, but you look at the box score and uh, you see he has all kind of numbers. I guess that's kind of the story of uh, Matthew Stafford's career. But yeah, um, Beckham, Jefferson, Cup, a lot of ways to go in the game. I wish we had someone to uh, bring it back with on the Jaguars though, because for the life of me, I am not rostering LaVisca Chennault for another week.
0: No, it's, it's heinous <laughs> on that side of the, on the uh, of field. what about the if Beckham doesn't play and again I don't know if he will he's a guy who's missed some time he had a 26 percent target share in week 12 and not to say that that continues but it did appear that he could be locked in as the clear wide receiver too in the event that he sits I mean we have to be looking at more Van Jefferson right obviously Cooper Cup what does it do for guys like Tyler Higbee as well and maybe other tertiary guys in this passing offense
2: It definitely helps, man. You know, with Higby, I think he's sometimes, uh, he's in similar situations like Dalton Schultz where they're full-time players, but when a team has all their starting wide receivers as well, like, no, they're not going to waste their time throwing the ball to their, you know, plodding tight end as much. So uh, just, you know, touchdown equity boost for all them. With Jefferson, man, even if Beckham does play, I think it might uh, behoove us to really go with Van over Beckham. I mean, he had a long touchdown himself last week. Actually had a second touchdown that was thrown by Cooper Cup, but they ended up uh, in flying in on some penalty uh, or another. So Jefferson, I mean, you know, I'm I'm always going to be an OBJ stand. I think my heart, I'm always going to ride or die with him. But just in terms of one week, I think Jefferson should have uh, equal opportunity. Obviously, if he can get all the way up to Cooper Cup, um, you know, go ahead. The craziest stat I found with Cooper Cup this year, he has seven catches and 90 plus yards in like 10 games already. I think only three wide receivers in the history of the NFL have done that over the course of an entire season. So he's He's still got a ways to go and uh, the floor is really the roof for him week to week.
0: Yeah. I've, and, and I've rode for Odell Beckham for years now, particularly since he came to Cleveland when everyone just shit on him every year. But I don't know. Maybe we get a resurgence. Alex, the Rams have a 30% top stack probability this week. Does that change if these guys are out or do we just still load up on them regardless with Cop and Jefferson? It feels like they're going to put points up no matter what.
1: I think this is a it's a obviously a great spot to stack. You, you're a little bit worried that Jacksonville can't keep in the game, but you got I mean, Cooper Cup's the number one wide receiver this year, and then you got some other options. If Odell Beckham Jr. misses this game, I think Ben Skoernak is going to be like one of the value plays of the week. In uh in the uh the week that Odell Beckham Jr. signed with the uh with the Rams, Skoernak ran routes on like. Most of the plays. So I think that he would get a really good workload in that instance. And he he was out due to injury last week, but he's back. And then on the other side, James O'Shaughnessy, kind of a similar situation. Dan Arnold is out on the IR. Uh, he got injured right at the start of the game in week 12. And James O'Shaughnessy ran routes on 82% of dropbacks. Uh we might remember O'Shaughnessy was their tight end one in Jacksonville to the start the year, but then got injured in the second game. He's dirt cheap, 2,600 on DraftKings, 4500 on FanDuel. So uh definitely a positive value. That's actually one of the true. Reasons he's really a like- great so, sorry, he's a
2: great pivot off Fossil Moreau, which might have been what you were trying to say right there. But I had to snipe you, man.
0: <laughs> well, one thing I do like about this team that they have the the highest game script adjusted pass rate in the league. So even when they're up, look at look at the games where they've just blown the doors off opponents Stafford and his pass catcher still have big games because he obviously he's been more efficient than he is recently, but yeah, lowest game script adjusted uh, run play percentage in the league, which Makes me feel pretty good, especially if Henderson's out. I don't even know if it's, it's probably a lateral move at this point from Henderson to Michelle. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy to load up on these guys, even if they get out early. Um, and what about just to – we'll be – if you guys are new to this show, we move around a lot and try and hit on all the important stuff, uh, find some leverage spots and pivots. Four and a half hours Sunday leading you up to lock, where we'll go game by game and do all of that stuff. But uh, Alexander Madison – In the four starts, it feels like more. He's only made four career starts for Dalvin Cook. But in three or four of them, he's been a stud. The the workload has been insane. His ownership isn't that crazy right now, though, projected ownership, because there's so many good running backs on this slate. Uh, What are you doing with a guy like Madison?
2: Definitely get on him again. I want to see how some of this ownership stuff shakes out. I think once we get McKissick ruled out, that'll get more onto. Gibson. He's not playing,
0: right? I mean, it's doesn't, hard to believe. sure doesn't
2: look like no. it. Um, And then obviously same thing with Henderson, as we just talked about. The crazy part with Madison, you mentioned it, it's three out of four, but the one bust he had, like what happened in that game was they got down 20 points early in the third and they just basically turned it over to Amir Abdullah since he was the pass down back. Yeah. Abdullah is now in Carolina. Like that's going to screw us with Chuba Hubbard here in a couple weeks, but we don't have have to worry about it now with Madison anymore. So he now just gets this Lions D that coincidentally like has usually been the defense. He's been massacring when he does get these spot starts uh, for the Vikings. So it's one of those things where if he's not going to have the high projected ownership, like I'll jam him into every lineup because you look at the touch difference between him and, you know, Joe Mixon and Eckler, even Jonathan Taylor. And it's really not that different. We are looking at 20 combined carries and targets and with the potential for 30, he's Dalvin Cook. He's essentially Dalvin Cook light and honestly he's been playing a little better than Dalvin this year uh just uh, based on you know yards per carry and all that kind of junk so with Madison if he's super chalky like okay maybe I'll pivot to Cousins and Jefferson because they're playing the Lions we know they're going to put up points he already crushed
0: the Lions this year as a starter
2: and it happened like the last couple of years, I, I was uh, sending out those starts, and one of my uh, lovely Twitter followers was like, you know, Dalvin cooks missed all these games against the lions. We got to start wondering like, is he afraid of actual lines <laughs> like, at some point? <laughs> so uh, yeah, it just comes down to that projection ownership because again, I don't see any way anyone on Minnesota is like really busting in this spot. It's just a matter of like, do we really need to fade Madison if he's going 20% or 30% plus seems like that's not going to be the case. So I'm happy to jam him in the lineups of all shapes and sizes. Like, I'll take Madison over Fournette, Harris, Mixon, pretty much everyone other than Jonathan Taylor. But if he's going to you know, be the highest on running back on the slate, just give me all the Madison. Alex, and Ian just mentioned that one of the things
0: that surprised the hell out of me looking at our ownership earlier in the week <clears throat> and still today was that Fournette's projected for more ownership than Madison on DraftKings at essentially the same price point. I know Fournette's coming off a, a ceiling game with four touchdowns, but there's still a ton of mouths to feed in that offense. They're very good. They have a good matchup against Atlanta, all things considered. It's a great spot, but when are you ever really looking at like 30 potential touches for Leonard for Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, well, I think uh, I feel more confident about Madison getting the touches because yeah. Kiki Nawangu, like he's rarely played this year. I know that. When they released Samir Abdullah from the, the Vikings, that was kind of an endorsement that maybe CJ Ham and Kiki, uh, sorry, Kenne, I, my my text I can't really, you there. my text it's is a really tough small one. on this. Uh, and <laughs> Nwangu, my bad. Uh so these guys barely played, and CJ Ham's the fullback, so like you gotta feel like completely confident Alexander Madison is gonna get the workload. Where with Fournette, we see that they still want to get. Uh, Ronald Jones involved and, and Gio Bernard on some of the passing downs. So, uh, I mean, it's easy to look back at last week and Fortnite absolutely destroyed the slate. But I don't think we can count on that for sure every week.
0: Is there any merit to looking at a uh, a Viking stack this week, Alex? Just given that they're not getting, they're not pulling a ton of ownership, <clears throat> whether it's price or just great spots elsewhere, uh, or is this mostly a spot you're looking to get to Madison?
1: It's mostly Madison for me. The Vikings, although they've been really good at throwing the football this year, their natural tendency is to be a run-first team. Their uh, neutral game script rushing uh, is 43%. Actually, that's a little bit lower than I I was expecting, but uh, teams versus the Lions have run a lot more than than, uh, other matchups, too. So we're expecting Minnesota to to be pretty uh, run heavy this week and that's only going to get worse if they put up a lead in the start of the game by throwing so that's the kind of situation where you get up a really big score at halftime like with your team and then you just don't get any production because like uh it, once they get that 25 points like there's not much more incentive to put up more points for lions unless lines actually do something so that's why I, I try to avoid the the run heavy teams
0: yeah. Are you on the same boat, Ian? Or are you looking to get to some Jefferson or Thielen or Conklin this week? Because I know, according to PFF, where you're at, I believe Kirk Cousins is graded as like the second highest quarter passing quarterback in the league this year
2: he's been crushing it, particularly from clean pockets. Like that's one of the things I'll look at where it's like under pressure. And then when kept clean, he has like one of the most severe drop-offs in yards per attempt in those two situations. But then again, I don't really see the Lions, you know, having the sort of pass rush to be causing a lot of problems for him. If anything, that's going to be more of an issue for Stafford against Jacksonville, who's pretty good at that this year. I guess the one thing I'm interested in here is if we want to do anything, bringing it back with Detroit. I mean, Jamal Williams, he's someone that's kind of like Madison, where if everyone's Going to be on him, then okay, it's an easy fade for me. But if we can get a running back at 5.4 or 5, whatever he's, I think 5.4. 5, on, yeah. yeah, on DraftKings. I mean, that's fantastic because we saw when he missed time earlier this year at DeAndre Swift came in, played 90% plus snaps, and had these 30 uh plus carries. And the Vikings are like one. Their defense is still trash. It was good for the first half of the year when they had Daniil Hunter still. But now that's gone out the window. They can't cover anyone. They're the only team in the league without a single cornerback inside PFS top 80 uh, coverage corners this year. And then their defense, it's like them, Kansas City, and the Chargers, I think, are the only three teams actually allowing positive EPA per run play this year. So, you know. It's Jared Goff. It could easily be disgusting, but I think they might have enough in them with this matchup to enable either Jamal Williams or if we want to get re- more gross, Josh Reynolds all the way down there at 3,400 oh, to some man. sort of goodness, man. So it's rough. You know, I'm definitely not going to it's not going to be like a heavy exposure thing to either guy with we'll sprinkling some some uh, Williams or Reynolds here and there might begin uh, might be getting a little loose with that this Sunday.
0: Dude, I I might have some seriously heavy exposure to Jamal Williams, if we're being honest. Like, he he already was averaging around 13 looks per game, and now you take a guy out that was second on the team in targets and receptions, right, behind TJ Hawkinson. And I'm not saying Jamal Williams is as skilled as a pass catcher, but we saw in Green Bay, he can can handle a decent workload, you know? So when you're taking a guy out in Swift who, like, let's just say they're seven-point dogs here. I don't know. What do you think? Jamal Williams probably plays 80 plus percent of snaps in this game or close, right?
2: no I think so and again if you're just looking at raw like dollars per touch and we're starting to see Gibson uh, get his ownership up people are going down to Sony he might be in that sweet spot where we actually don't have to worry about getting all the extra ownership with it I mean Dave Montgomery is a couple uh, hundred above and maybe people are really looking at his potential three down roll but you said it man when he was in Green Bay last year like it almost pissed people off because he got the three down roll that everyone always wanted Aaron Jones to get when Jones was out and he did fine with it he's a good player Never been anything wrong with Jamal Williams. It was always just like, man, it'd be a lot cooler if we could really feature Aaron Jones uh, some of these years.
0: Yeah, Dan Campbell loves the guy too. Uh, Alex, do you like Williams or anything from Detroit this week? I know you're always willing to get to some guys a bit off the radar.
1: Yeah, I think Jamal Williams is a killer play this week. Uh, I mean, if the Lions were one and nine and one, like maybe there'd be some question, but like at 0 and 10 and one, got to get a win. Yeah, they're they're going all out to try to win these games. It just they're winning this week, by the way. Lock
0: it up. <laughs> Lock it up. They're getting the win outright.
1: So uh, yeah, I think that if if there was not as much push for Detroit to win, then maybe we'd be worried that Williams doesn't ha- didn't have the touch upside. But there's like no question that they really need to get a win. Uh, so I think that the price is just way too low with Jamal Williams. Uh, with swift out i think he's going to get a massive workload
0: how many if you're i don't know if you could pull out but how many touches or or looks are you projecting him for it's got to be close to 20 right yeah so
1: we have him at 17 rushing attempts and for uh five targets so that would be uh okay so that's 22 uh they are a rush first team so if detroit has success in this game like, you could see 30 rushing attempts from Jamal Williams. not the most likely situation, but, uh, I mean, in a tournament, you, you don't necessarily need to be gunning for for guys that are going to get there like 100% of the time, but the upside here is massive.
2: Yeah, just yeah. Uh, real quick on that, we also have 22-touch projection at PFF. The only guys with more this week, Najee Harris, Elijah Mitchell, Jonathan Taylor, and Alexander Madison. And truly, just in terms of raw touches, he's a top-six running back this week.
0: For sure. And I mean, is, is Detroit, Detroit's not a good team, but is there run blocking and Ian, you could probably speak to this, but the run blocking isn't as bad as most of their team. Right.
2: No, I mean we have seen them. Look, like, yeah, I'm looking at right now PFF. They're 17th in run blocking. Yeah, they're grade. middle like, of the road. They're not just incapable of ever putting up points. And look, we've had situations like look at the Jaguars last year and James Robinson, great player and everything, yeah. but like it's not about James Robinson. Is like the most generational running back we've ever seen to overcome this atrocity of a team. It's <laughs> all about the damn volume, so we can overcome these lesser situations when we have it. And this is one of them. And again, when you couple the okay run blocking offensive line. With a pretty damn bad Vikings front seven, at least against the run. Yeah, let's let's do it, guys. All the Jamal Williams this week. Let's, let's go. It. I'm in.
0: Every single year there's multiple running backs on bad teams that get enough opportunity and a clear lead back that every week we're talking about them as really good options. And uh, they usually aren't fifty four hundred dollars either. So right. they they this is a mispricing for sure. Now, here's what I'll say, Alex, and uh, man, perfect segue here. And I'm going to skip around. The, the only thing about Jamal Williams is when you look around in this price range, you've got Antonio Gibson, 5,700. This guy has, is, what does he have, 74 carries over the last three weeks, uh, passing volume or receiving volume uptick with J.D. McKissick going down with that neck injury last week. Looks unlikely that he plays. You have Elijah Mitchell, who's involved in the passing game now. We'll wait on this hasty news, but uh, 27 carries in back-to-back games. James Connors, 5,900, with Kyler Murray maybe returning. So there is a lot to like in this price range. I think ownership factors in hugely this week. Would you agree?
1: Definitely, yeah. I think that what you're going to see is when there's a lot of good plays, the ownership on each individual one is at a reasonable level. So uh, I think that you can't really go wrong with any of these running backs. I think the biggest consequence if running back is just stacked with these really good plays is that, just makes it really hard to go contrary.
0: Yeah, let's get into some of these guys. And by the way, Owens, thank you for, or D Owens, I'm assuming. Thank you for the super chat. Ian, MM E&MM article is money. Hilton in a volcano. That must mean eruption spot. Hashtag narrative.
2: What's the narrative with Hilton? He freaking owns the Texans, man. He wore a clown mask to play them one year. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous, Wait, so- man.
0: Uh, are you are you buying into it are you no no, of
2: of course not but like i appreciate the bit like he has just gone off against the texans and of course he just
0: super chatted and and complimented you so you can't just shit on him right right (laughs) thanks d owens appreciate you all right we can talk we'll get there we'll get to that passing game when we talk about uh taylor but yeah i I guess ian the, the one thing is there's just a lot in this 5k range guys that are getting absurd volume, which, you know, we're looking for Williams to get that too. But these guys are arguably all underpriced based on the volume that they've been getting over the past several weeks.
2: And then you can also go up further and you look at the guys like 7K plus and you can easily wrap your mind around them balling out as well. So really like looking at it, I I was on, you know, I did my DFS show at PFF yesterday and I liked Josh Jacobs as a potential contrarian play, but now he's popping up on the injury report as not even practicing uh, on Thursday. So I think Alex is right where, when we have like five, six options here, we might not have to worry about it as much as usual because, you know, everyone's going to be kind of siphoning away from each other's ownership i do wonder if there could be a little room right smack in the middle of all of it though james robinson still i think he's hurt as well he got downgraded as well but what about saquon barkley who everyone just says he's washed he's done even though he just had another 80 percent snap roll all the touches in the world yeah he's facing the dolphins you know four game win streak i think we all kind of know that's a little bit of a fraudulent win streak though Jason Garrett still not coming back. The Giants anytime soon, like Saquon, his game has always been built around like 10, 12 carries of nothing. And then he rips off a monster touchdown like last week. Okay. It wasn't a touchdown, but we did see some of that burst. He had a nice 32 yard run. I wish his other, you know, 11, 12 carries went for more than eight yards. Uh, But at the end of the day, he still has like that ability to potentially catch eight to 10 passes during any given week that a lot of these other guys don't. So really like to me, any running back would be like, if you just take away their names and everything, like we just talked up Jamal Williams on the lions. Like you tell me Saquon Barkley can't do (laughs) something like that on the, on the giants. So yes, like I, again, I see the holes with Saquon, but when you kind of look at it, all these running backs beneath him and then all the running backs directly above him. Like, I think they're going to be more appealing to a lot of people and Saquon, he still demonstrated this year. He has top five finishes in his potential ranges of outcomes. 6,300 is pretty cheap still for an every down back. Alex, where do you look to in this range?
1: Yeah, I think Saquon's really interesting. We have him projected for pretty low ownership. One guy that I'm kind of keying in on is Miles Sanders again. But uh, I mean, this is a big if he might not play this week, but he is getting in the limited practices. So I think there's reason to be optimistic. I think people are looking too much at last week where he didn't get that many touches. Boston Scott got the majority of the touches, but then that was because Miles Sanders got injured in the game. So I think uh, I saw a bunch of people like uh, commenting on Twitter. It's like, oh, Boston Scott was like the lead back. I, I don't think it was really that situation. So if people are off of miles sanders he's kind of a a reasonable price point and the guy that uh is chasing the jets so we like to see that
0: don't do this to me man (laughs) i i've taken no more i I, there's no play i've taken more L's on than miles Sanders, (laughs) and every week i just want to make excuses because it's like yeah well he averaged over seven yards per carry last week you know or or he break. you want to talk – I mean, Ian's talking about explosive plays, too. Miles Sanders is, is similar to Lashawn McCoy when he was in Philly. Like, he'll run into the line of scrimmage four times and then break off a 40-yarder and then break off a long touchdown. I don't know if it was injury. I'm assuming – I, I know he was out – that had something to do with it. But, uh, Ian, this dude has driven me nuts all year long. And now you've got Boston Scott not practicing. I don't think Howard plays because they got a bye week coming up. It's, it's, you know, what's going to happen. Miles Sanders is going to come out there. They're going to get a few. And then Kenny Gainwell comes in and just <laughs> gets all the work. But yeah, Miles Sanders is real cheap against a, a New York Jets run defense that's allowed 20 rushing touchdowns this year.
2: Yeah, Sanders will give us the, those efficient, like 70 yards and no scores because yeah. on uh, nine you know. carries. Exactly. 108 <laughs> touches without a score this year. I think Salvin Ahmed is like the next closest guy, like oh, somewhere in the seventies. So disgusting. it's just been so brutal. I mean, look, he has again, no touchdowns like Boston, Scott, Jordan, Howard and Ken of the game. Well, I've combined for 11. So it's not like Eagles running backs are completely allergic to the end zone. It's just been miles Sanders. With that said, Howard looks like he's still out. Boston Scott was missing a practice with the illness. It does seem like Sanders is on a trajectory to be active this week just <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Gamewell was like more in favor with the coaches kind of before Sanders got hurt compared to now. So maybe that persists. Maybe it doesn't like the only consistency in this backfield has been the inconsistency that we see every damn week, but we also have going for us. Jalen hurts, you know, we'll seemingly be playing through the pain with that ankle injury by coming up next week. It makes sense. If, I know they're in win now mode, so they might not be able to really cho- choose this. Every team's in win now mode. I shouldn't be uh, acting like rap sheet out here with that, but like that, th- <laughs> they can't afford to take this game off like is my is my point so you know I could see Jalen Hurts not having his usual robust uh, rushing workload if they can help it and that would set up uh, Sanders reasonably well enough so I think at the price point man it makes sense because then we can actually get off potential uh, you know Jamal Williams chalk to get down to 5200 so he's cheap and you know if you really do just want to construct your lineup a little differently then all those running backs around the 6k marker you know above the 7k mark i think going down a little bit cheaper into this range you know maybe getting absolutely gross with the 4k guys but i don't see too many options other than sony maybe rex burkhead but i don't even want to really put that into the atmosphere right now uh yeah i I can i can get behind sanders this week how much sony are you getting to if henderson ends up sitting
0: i mean against the jags
2: that's the thing man like alex i'd like your thoughts on this because I know in tournaments, we want to be different, but at the same time, like if we can just take one of those running back spots, get a cheaper option anywhere else we're finding position wise, and then guaranteeing 20 plus touches against a bad defense. Like I almost just want to lock that in and sign up
1: for it. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like getting a chalk value guy, like Sonny Michelle, if Henderson's out, that'll really make it easier for you to get contrarian with the rest of your lineup because you have all that money to work with. So I definitely like uh locking in. Like, I, I just feel like Michelle at 4,300 versus Jacksonville, like it's just like too good of a spot to, to pass up.
0: Alex, you know, a lot of times people advocate for going with wide receivers in the flex spot, you know. Is this one of those weeks where we might be seeing a, a departure from that? just given that there are so many mispriced running backs, or do you still think it's it's wise to go heavier wide receiver? Or is this something you don't even consider?
1: Yeah, I think uh, all things being equal, like you want the wide receiver just because that position has a lot more variance. However, like all things aren't going to be equal this week because there are so many mispriced running backs. So that definitely slants more to a running back in the flex.
0: I I kind of feel the same way. And I mean, if, if you closed your eyes and just went to the running back tab and picked one of these guys, you probably wouldn't be that disappointed about it.
2: It's insane the value we have there uh, this week. And it's really not that much, like, at the other positions. I mean, everyone is, and their mothers could be on Fossa Moreau, uh, you know, under 3K, which I get. But tight end. Otherwise, you know, I don't think there's a ton of great options. We talked about James O'Shaughnessy. Briefly, you got to kind of start to get above 4K there. And then a wide receiver, you know, we briefly mentioned Josh Reynolds. We got Juwan Jennings stepping in for Debo Samuel down there at 3,100. But then after that, it gets awfully tough until you start kind of getting back up up closer to 5000 so yeah man it's just going to be a situation i think where like alex said like it gives you so much more salary relief with the rest of your lineup that even if we are being kind of chalky with one spot i think it's worth it in the long haul
0: yeah i'm with both of you guys here plus easier to get to cooper cup going with so cheap backs including sony michelle Hey, we're going to talk about the Chargers and the Bengals because this game is pretty interesting on both sides. We haven't even gotten to Joe Mixon yet facing a a pretty awful run defense in L.A., but before we do, shout out to our sponsor, PrizePix. If you haven't checked them out yet, there's two things you need to do. First of all, go to PrizePicks.com or download it in the App Store or Google Play Store. Second, use the promo code AWESOMO to get up to $100 when you deposit and sign up for the first time, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. They got daily player prop based contests, sports that you might not have even heard of. Uh, of course they have NFL and all of the other main sports, but you can mix and match building two through five player prop lineups. There's no juice on either side of these. So it's just the over or the under, including the rushing touchdown props. I'm telling you, that's the biggest edge. You go to other books. It's like minus 200, just Donathan Taylor to score over here. It's just a yes or a no. Not everyone's looking at that stuff, but anyway, uh, you can mix sports. If you want to do esports and you know NFL and you know NBA, you can throw all of them into the exact same lineup. You could do a four play, uh, prop power play, which can 10x, uh, five prop uh, lineup 10x. But if you hit four, you're still 2xing, which you're not going to get at traditional books. If you bust out on the fifth leg of a five leg parlay, you get zero in return. Uh, it looks good. It's an awesome site. You're going to feel good playing over at Price Picks, too, let me tell you. Uh, But in all seriousness, use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get up to $100 when you sign up for the first time, prizepicks.com or in the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever you want. All right, Alex, Cincinnati, L.A. Chargers. Justin Herbert is $6,700, which kind of feels like a mispricing this week. Keenan Allen's not particularly cheap, though, and Mike Williams has been volatile. You got Eckley, you got Jared Cook and all of those guys. Is this a great game to stack or just something that you're – semi-okay with?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a great game to stack for sure. Uh, I mean, that's always counteracted by the ownership a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati is a little bit of a slow-paced team, but both teams do pass at a pretty reasonable volume, and the, the Chargers especially pass a lot, so that gives you that shootout potential, and you got a lot of great players in this one. So, yeah, this makes for a really nice game stack.
0: Yeah, Ian, I alluded to, to Mixon earlier just the volume he's getting. You made a good point, too, though, that a lot of these cheaper guys might be getting similar volume. How do you approach a game like this on both sides if you're stacking it?
2: Yeah, I wish the Bengals weren't like one of the most slowest moving teams in the league. And I wish we were seeing the first half chargers as opposed to the second half group that seems to be allergic to throwing the ball downfield. I think some of the you know specific talents have enough volume and are good enough to really make do either way. But just some opportunities are kind of missing because Mixon, you know, you look at him over the past few weeks and he's kind of more like Antonio Gibson than people realize. Like, yeah, he's had the 28 and 30 carries in the last two games, these big time wins that they're, you know, winning by multiple scores. But before that, you know, you see the 13, 14, 12, 18 carries and like these closer games that were going on. So low-key, Samaje Piran and Chris Evans have been coming in and taking a lot of Joe Mixon's receiving work. They still find a way to get him you know, a handful of targets, but it's not like Mixon has been catching five passes per game all season long. I mean, he has six games this year with one or less reception like overall. So I think he's what he scored. He's at four straight multi-touchdown. Yeah. Four straight multi-touchdown games. Like that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. But at some point I feel like that kind of has to come to an end. So I'm a little more interested in the passing game here because I don't think the chargers are necessarily going to be able to, I know their run defense sucks, but I don't think they're really going to get rolled over on the way the Bengals have been able to do some of these other opponents. So what about Jamar chase week? Everyone, we got Higgins last week and I just think it's been overdue for chase. Like we know he has this monster hundred plus yards, multi-touchdown upside. The bigger issues for him is just, they're kind of only being one ball to go around this offense. And when it becomes a Joe Mixon game, Burrow's not going to throw the ball more than 20, 25 times. So when it has been Higgins in the lineup uh, this year, nine, games. Higgins is actually first in targets with 64, but Chase is right there at 62, has the higher average target depth. The big takeaway is that Tyler Boyd's all the way down there at clear-cut number three at just 45 targets compared to those guys. So Higgins and Chase, like they have established themselves as the 1A, 1B in the passing attack. We saw Higgins last week. Why not Chase this week? The Chargers are good against wide receivers, but you look at what they've done over the last month, guys like Justin Jefferson, Devontae Smith, Chase Claypool, among others, they've really put up some big games against these guys. So I think Chase is arguably my favorite uh GPP wide receiver of the week.
0: Alex, where are you at on Chase Higgins? I mean, well, we don't really have to talk much about Boyd, but uh pass catchers here for, for the, the Bengals.
1: I like them. I, I think that this one could go a little bit under the radar. I'm seeing that on the DraftKings screen, it's telling you that the Chargers are the second best pass defense but then when you drill down to it, the Chargers have allowed 6.85 yards per attempt compared to 7.1 for the league. So really, not a huge difference there. It's not gonna. It's like a five percent swing, maybe if you take that at face value. So I think that may depress the ownership. I think there's a lot of other teams that people are going to want to go to this week. So I think that uh, this one it seems a little bit sneaky.
0: Ian, it is remarkable though that you have a Chargers team that they're not a bad football team. Their offense can put up points, yet somehow they allow more rushing yards than any other team by 10 yards per game. Like usually when you see teams that allow the most rushing yards, it's not even that they're allowing the highest yards per attempt, always. It's just right. they're bad offensively, and teams run the ball down their throats. It is kind of weird to see that a team like the Chargers will be so far back in that category amongst a cast of awful teams surrounding that.
2: Yeah, I mean that's just kind of what Brandon Staley is doing here. He's kind of, I think, the poster child for this new revolution where they're basically just committing far more resources to stop in the pass than the run, and we've seen it work out for him a lot. But the problem is he hasn't changed that strategy. Like when they face the handful of juggernaut rushing teams, so we saw the Browns, the like they faced the Browns, Ravens, and Patriots in three straight weeks. Like those are three of maybe like the only four or five teams in the league where you really can't get away with that strategy. So the Eagles too, even though they, yeah. they
0: beat them on that game. Ex, uh, that as, was right as, after it. You're
2: right. Yeah, Yeah, And then the Vikings come over and do their thing. So it's been a bad run for them. I'm not saying Mixon can't do that himself. Uh, It just kind of comes down to whether you think that offense can really make the most out of it. But honestly, man, it's been their offensive usage that's pissed me off the most because like people are coming and saying, Oh, like Mike Williams is the same guy. Like we always knew he was. And it's like, okay, if you think that same guy he always was is one of the more underutilized receivers in the league. Like (laughs) I will agree with you at that point. It's not like he's gotten the same workload as he did in the, first half of the year and he's just busting on it i mean weeks one through eight weeks one through six excuse me keenan had 56 targets mike had 53 weeks eight through 12 Keenan had 56 targets Mike has 27 like he has three total deep ball targets 20 plus yards downfield since week eight combined like I know he's not someone that's consistently separating giving you this like 10 yards or whatever but I don't think it's a coincidence that when they stopped going deep to him we've really seen this Chargers offense outside of that one game against a banged up Pittsburgh Steelers defense really falter for the better part of the past five six weeks I mean that Steelers game to me kind of reminded me of the Chiefs like going nuts on the Raiders on Sunday night where it's like okay cool happy to see that you know all these great players can put up some points again but I'm also not necessarily believing that it's this big turnaround on offense I think we saw that come to fruition last week with that pretty pitiful performance against the Broncos I mean they were a Jared Cook like Hail Mary jump ball thing from 10 yard line away from you know being held a single uh, digit points. so I don't know, guys. I guess I can see the way this one uh, blows up, but more and more, I almost just want Jamar Chase maybe, you know, getting Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon uh, in there. I don't know that, again, with the pace and with the kind of floor we've seen from these offenses that both groups are really going to have ceiling performances. But I guess that's why they play the games. We'll see.
0: Sammy, thanks for the super chat, man. Buffalo War This guy signs everything, the Buffalo War Pigs, all caps. Got to love it. Uh, hit that thumbs up too. If you're hanging out with us, we're obviously Alex Baker, and myself hanging out with Ian Hart. It's all of his stuff. Find it over at pro football focus, PFF.com. While we're on it, is there anything that you want to promote any, any like your, your newsletter or the article or any shows you're doing that people should know about?
2: Let's check out PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We do about five episodes per week. Uh, myself, Dwayne McFarlane, Andrew Erickson. Form a nice team. We do waivers on Tuesday, game-by-game game previews on Wednesday, DFS breakdown some injuries on Friday, and then go through all the action that just happened on Sunday night. So, really, you know, trying to cover it all, be your one-stop shop for all your, you know, just fantasy needs and whatever format you're trying to do, you can catch that iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, whatever.
0: All right. Alex, we talked a lot about a ton of running backs. We haven't gotten the Jonathan Taylor yet. Probably a good time to do so. I mean, he's expensive, but he he since week four, he is the top scorer PPR points by 67 points. Not just at running back at, at any skill position. Like that's how damn good this guy has been. Do we want to keep going back to the well this week?
1: Well, it's really scary not to go with Jonathan Taylor this week, I'd say, because they're facing Houston, a team that is really bad defensively, and he's been getting it done versus some tough teams. So this is definitely a positive matchup. In addition, you haven't had Marlon Mack kind of getting in the game uh, and taking some of those, uh, you know, those carries, so... That would be a big risk in a game where there's such big favorites, but he's been inactive for the past, like, however many weeks. And they're going with Deion Jackson, who barely has been involved. So if we're just going out under the assumption that he's going to continue getting the workload he's been getting, Jonathan Taylor is is definitely in a smash spot. All
0: right. Well, Ian. I guess at this point it's just he, he. I don't know how you argue against him being in a smash spot. The guy's been ridiculous, and he's finally getting the workload that we had anticipated when he was drafted by this team. So, uh, against Houston, we go in there again.
2: Like Alex said, pretty uh, pretty scary not to in this one because we're getting that guaranteed workload. Like one of the reasons I was lower on Taylor, I think, compared to the industry going in the year. I think it was like my RB11. I wasn't fading the guy by any stretch, but it was the thought that Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins would kind of make this a three-headed committee because that's what they did for most of 2020. And we kind of saw that for the first five, six weeks of this year. But Marlon Mack, even though they didn't trade him, they just make him a healthy scratch. So even Naeem Hines, man, like he's, it's almost like a similar situation as we saw, as we're seeing with like Fournette and Tampa Bay too, We're like, yes, they have a scat back in Hines and Giovanni Bernard. Yard, that doesn't stop them from throwing the ball to Fournette and to Jonathan Taylor. So, like, I think we all know Hines is the better receiving back, but Taylor's still a candidate to catch four or five balls out there during any given week. I don't even know if he'll need to in this one, though, because he's averaging 7.4 yards per carry in his career against the Texans. I mean, the fact that that AFC South has to deal with Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry in the same damn division, I know. I would—I I just feel bad for those linebackers on Jacksonville and some of I talked other about teams. that
0: yesterday as well. Yeah, it's brutal
2: absolutely brutal so yeah man it, it is awfully tough uh to fade Taylor this week i guess the question though like again it's a great matchup for jonathan taylor but it's also a great matchup for madison it's a great matchup for leonard fournette yeah. their touch position their touch projections aren't all that different and we can save about 2k on it so you know i i think you need to definitely you can't fully fade taylor by any stretch but i'm also not necessarily going to lock button him because there's just so much value at rb this week you know maybe taylor just keeps on being. A complete exception to the rule, but you know, it, it, it makes sense if he only has like 110 yards and a touchdown, like that's kind of like what we're hoping he busts uh, with. But I, again, I think there's enough value elsewhere, even at the top of the scale, that you don't necessarily need a lock button on that 9200.
0: Yeah, Alex, I was going to ask you something similar. I, I know it's kind of arbitrary, but like, what, what from Taylor kills you if you don't have him because he is really expensive.
1: Yeah, I think, uh if he gets a little bit more than 30 points, you're probably going to need him. But if he gets in the high 30s, you'll definitely need him. And that that seems like a reasonable outcome. However, if we're playing the odds... Uh, okay, so on our boom-bust tool, we really, like, n- drill down into the, like, percentage chances that they're going to be putting up those ceiling performances. So the way we define it is... Uh, you got to get 2.4x salary plus 9 uh, to, to be a boom score. So for Jonathan Taylor, that would be uh, – it's really hard to do this math. Uh, 22 plus 9, 31. And we have him at a 24% chance of exceed, 24% chance of exceeding 31 fantasy points. So, uh, I mean, if the chances might be a little bit lower than you think that he's going to destroy the slate. We have a 21% chance of landing in the optimal lineup. So, I mean, those are some of the highest percentages of any players this week, but definitely not someone you need to lock in.
0: Ask anybody else a question like that and get an answer like that. It's not going to (laughs) happen. That's exactly what I was looking for. Um, And I'm assuming the audience as well. But. Yeah, I, it's just a tough one too, Ian. Because we—if you look at the games where the Colts have had a weird season, right? But if you look at the games where they've won handily, Carson Wentz is basically asked to do virtually nothing, and it, and it, and it shows in his passing attempt volume. It shows in his fantasy production, and that's the way it should be. I mean, earlier this season against Houston, he attempted twenty passes, and he's just—if they—if they can help it. He's not going to throw much at all. Pittman might get five or six targets. Maybe Hilton, because he always crushes Houston, gets in on the action. But would you agree that it's really kind of difficult to project blow-up games for these receivers unless they just get there on efficiency?
2: Yeah, and it hurts with once as well. I mean, I was doing some – cash game discussion that that's why I couldn't get behind Wentz even though he's plenty affordable it's just I don't want to have a quarterback that might only throw the ball 20 times and then that goes to all the receivers so he does focus more on Pittman but it's to a lesser extent when Hilton is also active and then we always got to wonder like which one of these tight ends is going to throw their hat in the ring last week it was Jack Doyle they continue to play him Mo Alley Cox and something named Kylan Grayson uh, pretty much every single week out there so you know if we had like a true target hog alpha, which I guess Michael Pittman is pretty close to, but man, it's, i, I where do you guys have Pittman's, uh, potential ownership because i've been on him in the past two weeks thinking they were facing the buccaneers and the bills like okay maybe these will be the teams that actually force to have to throw the ball a little bit more and it goes to Pittman. so we don't have that allure of the extra targets this week with that said houston is like by far the worst defense defending deep passes and you know say what you will about once he is pretty good from a clean pocket when he's able to go deep
0: 10 percent right now
2: OK, I mean, yeah, so I guess I, I'm, I'm OK with Pittman as a, you know, nice potential pivot off of Braden Ayuk, who I think will be fetching a bit more. We got T. Higgins and Renfro kind of around that range as well. So I'm fine throwing some darts at Pittman. Uh, it is scary, though, because uh, to your point, you got to kind of live with only having five and six targets potentially. At least they are coming against Houston.
0: Alex, there's another guy that I think falls into that same category, and I'd say it's Devontae Smith. I mean, he's kind of the squeaky wheel narrative this week. He was pissed off last week when they're force-feeding Jalen Rager to prove that they didn't make a bad decision drafting him over Justin Jefferson. Uh, I I think you could probably make a similar argument to that too, right? Like they're similarly priced, not high passing volume, but the New York Jets secondary is, is atrocious as well. And maybe Devonte Smith scores twice on his six or seven targets, but I think there's a few guys. Ian mentioned Ayuk as well. If they can, if they can afford to run the ball 35 times, they'll do that too in San Francisco. So, what do you do with some of these low-volume receivers that have great matchups and blowout potential, but maybe not the same volume that you're looking for?
1: Well, I think you can definitely consider them in uh, contrary and as contrary plays. The problem with Philadelphia is they've been running the ball at just such a ridiculous rate. Like in the past month, they've run the ball about like 60% of the time in neutral game scripts. So that does make it really hard that unless you get a long touchdown, that Smith is unlikely to put up a score that will will kill you. So, uh, I mean, you're really hoping for that outlier. So I guess if you have Devonta Smith, maybe you'd want to throw in Jets player or two for the correlation there just hoping that uh, there's uh, the chance that Eagles will throw the ball more than than uh, expected
0: and we're talking about all the ownership too our uh, ownership projections are free today for the NFL main slate if you want to check that out matter of fact we've got them free through Sunday so from today through Sunday NFL main slate ownership you don't need to be a sub or any of that you could go to the NFL drop down the DFS tab and, and jump in there. NBA ownership rankings and NHL ownership projections also free today. Uh, and if you want to check out the boom bus tool and everything else that Alex and I were talking about, on the contrary, is the promo code, all one word, all caps on the contrary, get 25% off your first week of awesome. Plus platinum, not just football, but everything we have on the site. All right. I figure we think uh, we, we, we end it with this fellas before we give our top fade pivot and our best bet of the week. There's some really good ones out there. The the Tampa Bay Bucks, in are a tough team to predict sometimes, just given the the immense amount of options they have in the passing game. Brady targets like eleven guys per week. Last week it was off Fournette. Antonio Brown's going to be sitting out a while, uh, but Brady's averaging. And I, I'm just curious to see what he's done in the three games he's faced Atlanta since coming to Tampa Bay. 355 passing yards and almost four touchdowns per game. I'm not even going to get into the advanced numbers, but those are some ridiculous stats against this Atlanta secondary.
2: Yeah, fancy QB 11, QB 2, and then back in week two this year, QB 3 overall. Brady has absolutely owned them. You know, they got A.J. Terrell out there. He's a top three cornerback, uh, P- PFF grade this year. But he doesn't even track, you know, one-on-one receivers. And even if he did, like Goblin and Evans, these guys are good enough to win regardless. I think the question here, uh, and we haven't talked a ton about tight ends at all, like do we just kind of start getting behind Rob Gronkowski as the Hell guy yeah. that yeah, like he's really been back to himself this year? You know, you look at his yards per route run. This is the most efficient we've seen him since 2016. You look at Brady's really his entire career. His on-off splits with Rob Gronkowski continue to be significant, and nobody gets more looks in the red zone. So just 5300. I mean, I think generally on DraftKings we see a lot of times these tight ends that can be their passing games. You know, top top one to three off. Like they're underpriced. Like, if we just kind of looked at the targets the tight ends are getting compared to the wide receivers and took away the positional designation, I think you'd realize how underpriced a lot of these tight ends could be. I mean, George Kittle, 5,900, Mark Andrews, 6K. I feel like if they were just called receivers, they'd be a thousand dollars more. So, Gronk at just 53, you know, we're talking about trying to make some uh, different lineups potentially maybe this is the week to go with uh, the two tight end build uh, throw one in the flex as well, because we do have guys like Gronk like Kittle without Debo and Mark Andrews where yes, they're a tight end, but we know they still have that multi touchdown hundred yard upside. That's really all we're looking for at the end of the day.
0: If you isolate the games that Gronk played from start to finish and wasn't limited, like he was in, I think week eight or week nine, he's the tight end one on the year. Now, Kelsey missed one of the Kelsey, I think had a buy in one of those that he played, but, he even say the tight end too. I mean, Alex, he's been a phenomenal tight end from a fantasy standpoint. Every time he's on the field playing semi regular snaps.
1: Oh yeah, Gronk is. Uh, I mean, he proved it last week that he's the top option. I think. Uh, I mean, the public was super high on Gronk last week. He was like thirty percent owned. So I might want to make contrary and pivot and go to the other side of this game with Kyle Pitts. Pitts has been Pitts, uh, or I guess he's been the Pitts, uh, <laughs> but the pits. Yeah, in the pits. Yeah. <laughs> However you, you like to say it, he's been bad, Not but good. the thing is, um, Tampa Bay they are run or a pass funnel defense. Opponents have only run the ball thirty percent of the time versus them compared to league average forty three percent. So you take a pass heavy team like Atlanta, and that's going to skew you more to the passing this week for the Bucks. And uh, Pitts, he has been targeted about 20% of the time, a little bit less than we were hoping for when uh, all everyone was saying he was a, uh exception to the rule of rookie tight ends. It didn't quite turn out to be the case, but he's been good enough that um, if people are going to be off him, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the Atlanta side of this one uh, pretty heavy this week
0: and you do a lot of this in-depth analysis you watch film on these guys and stuff and you know you're always putting videos out there and, and detailing what you're seeing is is this Pitts is it the offense is it Arthur Smith is it is it Matt Ryan what are we dealing with I
2: think a lot of it's the you know it's 21 year old dude that's trying to be like the number one pass game option already and I don't think he's ready to be that as a receiver which is where they're using him a lot so really it's like if Most tight ends, they play plenty of snaps in the slaughter out wide, but it's only Kyle Pitts and Mike Jasicki that, like, do that for over, like, 75% of their reps. And, you know, I I haven't run this study this week, but I did – you know two weeks ago, and I think it still holds. He hasn't done really anything since then either way. But if you look at Pitts against cornerbacks, yards per out run, he was 87th among 142 qualified guys, just 1.85. When you put him up against a safety or a linebacker, you know, where we're kind of he's being treated as a traditional tight end, he's 11th and he's averaging 3.04 yards per out run. Like his only touchdown this year was when the Jets decided to cover him with a defensive lineman on the goal line in that London game. So, like, yeah, he's fantastic when NFL defense. Defenses are like oh like he's lined up as a tight end he must be a tight end we'll cover him with the linebacker safety but the Falcons I think not having Ridley not you know Gage has been out for a lot of the year Cordero Patterson a little bit in and out when they haven't had anybody else to take him away like it's just been really easy for defenses to key on him and do so other defenses other than just Bill Belichick have been able to take him away god that storyline pissed me off like for (laughs) a week it's like oh look at Bill Belichick taking away Kyle Pitts the entire league is taking away Kyle Pitts like (laughs) is not his only thing that uh he's been doing but to alex's point i mean if you look at the matchup this week he should be seeing eight to ten targets just in terms of targets he is pff's highest projected tight end in raw targets so he hasn't been atrocious enough to continue to fade him even with the good workload um i think it makes a lot of sense and again just looking at that tight end pricing scale 5600 for a number one or number two receiver in his offense that's pretty affordable all
0: right alex top plays from this game it has the highest total on the slate bucks have the highest implied total on the slate they're 10 and a half point favorites you mentioned the crazy number the teams are running 30 percent again uh, 30 percent run rate against tampa which obviously they have a good run defense but they're also playing with the lead quite often who are your top options from both sides your ideal stack if you're playing like a single entry or three max and you want to get in on this game
1: yeah i mean with the, the Bucks, like pretty much anyone's in play, Fournette, Evans, Godwin, and Gronk all great options this week. Uh, I don't really have any reason to believe any one of them is that much better than the others, but I am really keying in on the Atlanta side. The there aren't that many value quarterbacks that are really appealing this week. And Matt Ryan, you're you're guaranteeing a high passing volume. I know they've been like absolutely dreadful recently, but uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm kind of accepting that as a likely outcome, but I'm, I'm trying to beat uh, 100,000 people in some of these tournaments, so going for that outlier, I think that Gage and, and Pitts are really the guys that you're kicking in on uh, with your stack, as well as uh, Cordero Patterson.
0: Alright, let's put a bow on it, fellas, and Sammy, thanks for the super chat, man. Uh, Ian, as our guest, your top fade and pivot of the week. It doesn't have to be a one-for-one, one, but Top fade and top low on pivot of the week.
2: Top fade is just going to be Foster Moreau. If he's going to be fetching as much ownership as it looks like over there at 2,700 as the cheap tight end, I'm just going to be paying off at the position. Like there's so again, Pitts, Gronk like, Kittle. There's so many good tight ends that if you just pay up for, I think it'll easily make your lineup a little bit different. And you'll have the I think better overall option. Like Moreau's fine. Um, people should have picked him up in season long to go fill the Darren Waller void. But you know, it's not like we have an eight to ten target projection and like he can easily bust and it'd be okay. So I'll be fading uh Moreau. I'm gonna be pivoting probably off Braden Ayuk to Elijah Moore. We didn't talk about him a lot today, but you know, I think when we people see Zach Wilson in there, they're just like, oh, it's impossible. Possible for Elijah Moore to do anything. And while a lot of his production over the past month and a half was not fluky, but he was doing it, you know, not as the number one target. Always his snaps were lagging behind Crowder and Corey Davis and these guys. Maybe that wasn't exactly sustainable. But now when you look at it, he is starting. He is playing more snaps than everyone. And Corey Davis is out of the picture. So, you know, I'm not saying the Philadelphia Eagles are a trash secondary or anything like that. I mean, all Darius Slay keeps doing his scoring touchdowns one week after another. But Elijah Moore is the now undisputed number one pass game option going under the radar, perfectly affordable. I think he's good enough to still have that hundred plus yards touchdown
1: and his potential range
2: of outcomes.
0: All right. Beautiful. Alex, what do we got?
1: I think uh, my fade is uh, Rob Gronkowski. I think that the ownership last week came in at like a ridiculous number and paid everyone off. So everyone's like, I'm just going to go back to the well. And I think that he's not that much. He's, uh, kind of on par with Kyle Pitts, the same price point, so that's a, a very good pivot in the same game. But also going down, uh, I know Moreau is popular, but I almost like O'Shaughnessy just as much. So, people have seen Moreau do it. They haven't seen O'Shaughnessy as much, so I'm hoping that you can, you can really fade some of the tight end ownership by by fading Gronk and, and Moreau, possibly.
0: Alright. Mine's a little unconventional, but I, I'm fading Leonard Fournette. When I say that, I don't mean zero, but Uh, and then going to a similarly but lower-owned guy that I think should be considerably higher-owned than him in Alexander Madison. I mean, just give me the upside for 30 touches against the Detroit Lions, a team that's already allowed seven receiving touchdowns to running backs. Of course, three came to Aaron Jones. One of them came to Madison earlier in the year, though. If you told me he had 25 carries and four or five targets, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, I'll take that volume on a concentrated offense in Minnesota against the Lions. All right, fellas, top bets. Let's do this. I'll go first on this one, and then we'll go around the horn. Alexander Madison right now, if you look at Odd Shopper, free, by the way. We have, we have him projected so much higher than this prop. I mean, the, the expected win rate that we have on this is absurd. Expected ROI is at 60% right now. He's mm-hmm. over 69 and a half rushing yards for Alexander Madison. I mean, stop. It, it, if you give him 20 carries, he just needs to average over three and a half yards per carry. Um, or actually, yeah, whatever. I'm not getting into the math here, it's a really low number, and you should hammer the over on that. Alexander Madison over 69 and a half rushing yards against the Lions. What do you got, Ian?
2: I got Josh Allen under 265.5 passing yards. Get a little Monday night action for all for everyone out there. Look, last time he faced the Patriots, he absolutely destroyed them, 320 and four touchdowns. But I think it's become pretty clear throughout 2021, like we're not getting that world beater version of Josh Allen every single week and expecting it to show up against the league's top-ranked scoring defense in a Monday night matchup that right now I'm seeing wins above 20 miles per hour. Like I- I'm willing to kind of bet that we're not going to get the best version of Josh Allen. It really has been a roller coaster this year. Week one. He was PFF 16th highest graded passer on the week since then he's either been top 10 or he's been 24th or worse. So like Jameis Winston experience in Buffalo pretty much with uh, Josh Allen this year. So he can do it, but again, He's faced the Patriots now five times in his career. Last time he smashed a prop. The previous four times, he couldn't even crack 220 yards. So we've seen this game total, like, really crater since it opened up. This game, to me, just feels like, you know, 17-14 slugfest type, and I don't think we're going to see this sort of prolific performance that, again, Allen made a regularity in 2020, not so much in 2021. All right. Alex, wrap it up for us.
1: My prop of the week right now is Jonathan Taylor, over 18 and a half receiving yards. Nice. Or sorry, 15 and a half. Uh, he's averaged uh, 28 yards per game. So uh, this is a lot lower than his average. Uh, now the matchup, maybe uh, versus Houston, like they might not throw the ball quite as much, but I don't know if that's enough to swing it to like half his average, basically. So I think that uh, it's one of the safer bets of the week, Jonathan Taylor over 15 and a half receiving.
0: All right, Ian, appreciate you being with us today, man. This was fun.
2: Appreciate you guys. Always good talking ball with the awesome O gang. One of the best websites out there. Love everything you guys do.
0: Thanks, man. Likewise, Ian Harditz, everyone, at iHarditz on Twitter. Check out everything he's got going on at PFF.com. And you know him, Alex Baker, at Awesome O DFS. Hit me up at Lafay underscore D on Twitter. And shout out to Tyler Zander for producing today's show. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us as always. We'll see you back here tomorrow and Sunday. All culminating in that four and a half hour live before lock, taking you up to week 13 kickoff. Peace.